you have said so often, I think it's true, that discipleship happens necessarily in relationship. And my only pushback is that I think discipleship is relationship. I would say it not just starts, but I think that's the whole part and parcel of the whole thing. Because what, what happens is churches that don't prioritize discipleship within relationship or as relationship is that we don't build the fluidity into our structures for people to be in relationship. We build structures that say, let's gather thousands of people so no one knows one another. And we wonder why there's no discipleship happening. the Everyday Disciple podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Okay, back together. I love it. This is the best. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me again here at the Everyday Disciple podcast. I am feeling so good and so rested and ready for everything, for stuff. (laughs) I just came back from vacation up in the beautiful mountains up in Tennessee, Tina and I and a handful of other couples. How fun. Amazing. And, oh, yeah, we just we had some good food. We had some rests. We had long walks and long talks about the gospel and our kids and life and laughed a lot. And in the free state of Tennessee, there's no masks right now. So you don't have to wear any kind of medical masks. Yeah. And so we both been vaccinated, so we weren't worried about it kind of either way, but we want to be sensitive to others. But there, it's the law. You, they, they don't want it. And they, in fact, they, they can't make you and they've passed laws that no one else can make you. So it was a blast, but I, I'm glad to be back here with you today. Hey, before I dive in and I'm going to get started because I've got a great uh, guest on today. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Join me over on the Facebook group. Join the group of people. There's thousands, like I I don't know, thousands and thousands of people in the Everyday Disciple podcast group on Facebook. And we get to uh, kind of stay in touch, let you know what's going on, let you know about the new episodes, links, get to have conversation there about the podcast or missional living or finding each other. And hey, where do you live? And I live here and all that kind of stuff. It, you can find it real easily on Facebook. But you can also go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook just as a link, and it'll take you whoop right to our page. All right. I hope you'll do that. Okay, to today's topic, whatever the cool name or term of the day is, uh, there's an overlap in ideas for what people are today calling microchurch. Okay, some people call it that. They're just calling them microchurches, or some call it a mini church or simple church, organic church, house church, hybrid church, dinner church, or good old school missional community. And none of these seem to have universally accepted definitions and practices. So, but maybe they're they're implying some similarities, and we're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that with my guest. And in the past, these types of church experiences and communities, like smaller ones, house churches or whatever, hybrid churches, were seen as offshoots of the more traditional church. They were sort of started and led by people who were worried that much of the church now felt too complex or institutional or performance-based. Maybe they wanted something simpler, more back to the basics. Well, I want to talk about all that today. What are these new microchurch experiences all about? Are they the same thing with different names? Or are there real practical, important differences and goals, perhaps, behind each of them? 
Well, I'm excited to have a really good friend of mine join me today for this conversation. The perfect person for this. We've worked together for years and years. We've traveled all over the world together. I have the utmost respect for him and his thoughts on all of this because not only is he a great guy, but he's the real deal. A daily practitioner, him and his family, of disciple making that definitely lives all of this as a lifestyle. Discipleship's a lifestyle for them. Okay, so my pal is Gino Kirkaruto. And just to give you a little, who's this guy? He's a bivocational pastor, which means he and his wife work and they have to make their income and all that. But they're with The Table Philadelphia. That's what it's called. And they've started this. It's a church plant in Philly that's made up of several very nimble, intentionally smaller communities. And he has been leading in local church contexts, all kinds of different ones for nearly 20 years. So a lot of different perspectives. Now, along with his wife, Jill, and their kids, they've started communities of people who center their lives in the love of Jesus and make disciples in both urban and suburban contexts. Now, he's also coached leaders, and he's worked for me as a coach, and I've coached him, and he, he's, yeah, he's the goods. And he's coached leaders and lay people across the country to help him do the same. So you're going to love this guy. I know you're going to really like his style and his insights. Take a listen to our conversation, and I'll be back at the end to wrap things up and give you the big three for today. Here we go. Hey, Gino, it is so good to, well, see you here, but also to, to be yes. with you, man. Man, see, it's good to see you too. It's really good to be on this uh, podcast with you. I've been listening. I'm excited to be here with you. I feel like we go way back though too. I know we do. And I feel like you should have probably been on episode one and then again at 10. And so here it is like many, many you know episodes in and I'm like, how could I never have had my buddy Gino on? What in the heck? I, I was how? thinking the same thing, man. I was thinking like, what, how many episodes do you have to do before I get invited? I'm just kidding. But what I wanted to say no, it is probably like, has, it probably has crossed your mind. I'm sorry, but here we are yeah. and we're going to rock hard today. <laughs> we are. Um, we are so close. Like, man, like how many uh, guests have you had that have slept in the same room as you and your wife in like um, Prague? Like anyone else, or is it just me? Um, no, this would be this would be guest number one that has actually yeah. shared a room with my wife and I. <laughs> I I think I slept on the footstool, so I've really like slept at your feet, bro. We want yeah. All right, all right. We won't get into yeah. I was gonna say we won't talk about exactly where you slept in the room. All right, <laughs> little Gino sandwich. I just wanted to make that clear that I was in another, I was in another piece of furniture, but yes, same yeah. room. Okay. Yeah, no, uh. it's, it's awesome. <laughs> hey, well, we've had a chance to catch up a little bit on what you're doing, but I want you to tell us a little bit about your family in Philly and your community yeah. there, Table yeah. Philadelphia, um, yeah. and the church you're really helping establish. Cause it's not, it's not your average pair of pants per se, <laughs> but, right. but for, you know, but it really flows right out of who we are and, and how, you know we've been really building community and making disciples for quite a while for now sure. actually but it still doesn't look like a traditional church model so just yeah tell us real real quickly like a little bit about what's going on uh, with your family and the community there yeah so we um uh, a few years ago we started to establish like disciple making communities was our idea just people getting to know people in our neighborhood and seeing the church form around people rather than establishing a form for the church and trying to squeeze people into it. So what, what we kind of call it is we'd say, we call them table communities. And we'll talk about this probably more on this episode, why we chose that name, yeah. because of all the meaning assigned to everything else. So we've started these communities that 
try to really get involved in the neighborhood, getting to know neighbors and people around us. And then we've kind of gathered those communities together for one worship service. Of course, everything's on Zoom now. So any kind of idea we still, had, you guys are still yeah. on Zoom. We, yeah, we're just able to start gathering our table communities back in person outside because okay. the weather's warmed up. So we're yeah. still, we have some restrictions still here in Philly. But the, the thing that I think is, is worth emphasizing here is the difference is we started with people gathering in homes in the neighborhood or in coffee shops in the neighborhood or cigar lounges in the neighborhood around people that are not interested in the church rather than creating a church gathering and trying to get people to come to that. Yeah. And, and we just had an episode last episode on, uh, are we, uh, like, should we be building out stuff in mm. like neighborhood or network? And then yes, I kind of really, great. I went through like, there's advantages to both, but there's disadvantages yeah. to both. And yes. I was pretty, I was pretty, you know, honest about it too. And came down and said, but if you can, you got to go for proximity. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so you're all about proximity there with the table network. You guys. We, we are. Yeah, we are. I mean, with, with, with the table Philly, we want to focus on our neighborhoods, but we've noticed this as we contextualize things. We've noticed that a lot of people don't do life in the neighborhoods because of the way the neighborhoods are now built. You know, with, with public schools, people don't often go to the school in the neighborhood or have their kids in that neighborhood school. They're in a charter school. So people do life in different pockets. So we talk about this too. Like there are neighborhood focused issues that we can, we can get involved in, but there's also networks of relationships that are probably going to mm -hmm. drive a lot of our, our multiplication or our disciple, um, discipleship efforts as well. So yeah, that's, that's a beautiful thing to, to know. And you're doing this as a family, right? You and yeah. Jill and the kids? Yeah, four kids, four kids. Yeah, they're almost all teenagers now, so you can believe it. <sighs> I, Nine, yeah. 19, 16, that's Ella and Selah are girls, and 14 and 12 are our boys, Tim and Nate. So and that was yeah, our church your, planning your team. Your bathroom man. must just smell like a locker room all the time. Like, <laughs> What's worse than that is that we only have one right now. That's what I mean. Have, <laughs> yeah, so it's like the line out the bathroom is the hard part. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I grew up with one bathroom. I mean, most people did, right? You know, right, the, right, right. And, and I remember one time, this is going to sound really bad. This is completely off topic. But one time, <laughs> um, our, we have three kids, right? But when our kids were younger, um, we had a little problem with them not flushing the toilet, like with consistency. Ooh, and we were yeah. having some overflow issues to the point it went so many times, you know, coming like raining down, you know, toilet water in the kitchen, you know, from up above. <laughs> right. That we locked, we locked their bathroom for about six months. Nice. So they had nice. to come downstairs and use like the powder room and then yeah. they would either shower, we'd open it for showers or they'd shower up. But that way we could monitor it because it was, it got ridiculous. Anyway, that makes no sense to, to what we're talking about today, but you know, maybe someone will put That's some great. connections because some connections there. Hey, <laughs> sure. well, like, like I was saying, you know, given in my opening, you know, given the interest now in smaller communities, right. especially as we're, as we're uh, emerging from COVID and, and a lot of churches aren't really seeing their mm -hmm. gathering back you know what i mean mm -hmm. like if mm -hmm. you believe the statistics it's about 30 to 33 percent of people have kind of come back like when it's open you know right right and they say 33 or 35 percent they think are online 
but that's yeah. tough to monitor because you know everything's a stream, right? One second, mm -hmm. you know, three seconds or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then they think they've lost about a third, probably like, hey, you know, once we pop the top off of this, that you don't have to be here. <laughs> they're not, oh, wow. you know, right. They're all dialing up Tim Keller <laughs> or something, you know. <laughs> um, but so, so I really was excited to be able to talk to you about what you're seeing, you know, good, bad, and the ugly um, yeah. as church leaders and regular folks forge out into newer expressions of being the church together. Because, I mean, there's a like that all today we're going to talk about it all, I guess, under the auspices of the term micro churches, you know, okay. that there's yeah. meaning smaller, but they're called yeah. mini church, simple church, organic church, house church, hybrid church, dinner church, even missional community, right? I mean, that, right. that term hasn't died. Some people, they tried something they called a missional community and it failed. So they go like, ah, we don't do that anymore. It's like, we do <laughs> micro church instead. Okay, wait a second, you know? <laughs> right, right. So which right. of those have you participated in so far? The micro church, oh, mini church, simple church? Goodness. Uh, I feel like I feel like it's so great because the most of these terms have become like what I'd call empty signifiers. They don't actually mean anything. We just attach the them to try to change the meaning of what we're already doing. And yeah. and as as you know, like we've seen that happen with with all. So I think, but if we if we're going to go by uh, distinct definitions for each of these, I think I've participated in all of them, and to some <laughs> to some degree. Um, and so and I, and I think there's there's emphases on each one that are really healthy and good but at the end of the day i think the there's one distinction that we could probably talk about the most is like what is the what is the primary um portion of the church like what is the basic building unit of the church what is a church and then move from there because that's where i see the differentiation like a small group is not the same as a missional community in my understanding yeah because of where you're starting from and what you're and who your focus at. is Exactly. Right. We've talked exactly. about it like a lot on the podcast. Generally, if people are honest, you say, hey, who or what is the focus of, of your church's small groups? Us. Yeah. Right. It was us. Yes. In fact, they were created. If anybody is old enough like me to remember when small groups started, um, right. they were created very consumeristically like hey let's you know like no one feels connected at the church service because we're sitting in silence exactly. so let's try to create some sort of a vehicle where we can close the back door of people leaving and attrition they don't feel like they know each other yeah, and that and so then we started these small groups but let's let them pick what night of the week works best in the same age and stage of life let's not cause any kind of friction because you have to learn to bear with one another why would right. we do that and we're certainly right. not going to invite our neighbors because they won't want to talk about the pastor's sermon from last right. Sunday or whatever right and then you get to like, this is like pet peeve where it's like, well, we have a closed small group now, <laughs> right? And then we mm -hmm. take the summers off and it's, it just got worse and worse and more consumer yeah. sexually driven, <laughs> really right? Did. So from its inception, it really wasn't an outward focus. Hopefully when we hear terms like missional community, it's, you know, it's missional. Like, what's the mission? It's make disciples. So right from the get go, the goal is, hey, we're going to start trying to make disciples of ourselves and others. And, and, yes. and, and there's a more outward expression to it. But what's been your like years past when you heard like mm -hmm. the term house church what did that represent yeah. do you think and yeah maybe what house is it oh man house church when i first thought about it and first got experience in it it was like hey there's this one patriarch that's going to teach the bible to all of his kids and you might get included in there now that's really um kind of kind of condescending and rude but that's that only 60 percent of house churches Gina, <laughs> yeah, i was so, gonna say that's so just six it's a little bit of an over overreach you know <laughs> But, but it, and then the, the, another iteration of that, when people were like, Hey, no, it's not that it's, it's more than a Bible study. We're trying to do life together. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. But then it became like, let's try and cram everything we do as a church into a three hour gathering in someone's home. So it became like 
church in a house, not exactly. house church. Well, and, and, and I think we're seeing that again right now is you know, regardless of what you're calling in a lot of the, you know, the churches are going, well, our people aren't coming back. So we're going to start micro churches. And what they're doing is they're just basically doing their church service in their house. Right. In fact, right. they're not really developing anybody. They're just like, hey, turn on the live stream. Yeah. And then, right. maybe, and then maybe hang out afterwards mm. and have some food, which yeah. I kind of like that aspect better. You know what I mean? For like, sure. I feel like that's an upgrade. For years, we've said, hey, if you're going <laughs> to if you're mm -hmm. going to do streaming to multi campus stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. why not just stream at the houses and let people be in smaller groups that actually know each other? So right. in, in that sense, I'm for that. You know, I, I think it, it's a better upgrade than that. And yet it still leaves people, unfortunately, just doing a church service in their in their house. <laughs> right. And then they go, right. well, but it, you know, we could stream it at any time. So let's do it. Let's do it Wednesday night. Oh, I can't make Wednesday. You know, so now you get into that stuff too. And yeah, and, see, like the, the, I've seen um, a lot of different, and I've said this to people too, like it, we don't, we don't define the church by where it gathers. Cause we, then we, we would call it like school gym church, you know, or cafeteria church or something <laughs> like that. The church isn't defined by the location that it gets, or, or it ought not to be, at least in my my thinking. Well, language but creates culture, right? Right. But what's the purpose of the gathering? Use a label that speaks to your purpose, which is why I'd always preferred a missional community because it's a community on mission. But we've, like we Remember said, we've we used to debate this too. years ago. Like, should we yeah. call it a small group? Should we call it a community group? Should we call it a tribe group? Should we call it a, you know, the name of the church group? You know, like, yeah, right. I was part of a church right. in New York called Grace. They were Grace groups. I'm like, yep. let's. Okay, that's really you know very us centered, you know. Yeah, again, yeah, um, yeah. And I always opted. I always opted for missional community, if nothing else, for us to be reminded of what we're here even doing, right? For sure. And then we always fought the trend to, you know, how we call it going to church, and we hate that, you yeah. know, cause like the building yeah. is like the church instead mm -hmm. of the people. Well, then we saw people starting to do the same thing with like, hey, what are you doing on Thursday? Oh, I'm going to missional community. Yeah. It's like I'm a yeah. part of a missional community. I'm For sure. we're the church, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that uh, I think that all, all also, you know, part of the the challenge is that we hear language, especially if we're transitioning existing movements or structures or systems, and we hear language and we love the description that's attached to it. So we change our language, knowing that language creates culture, but we never actually do any training or modeling. So we call our small groups missional communities, and then we say missional communities fail. I've seen this a lot of times. Oh boy, as have you, right? And we're going to see and the so, same thing with micro church. They're like, "Well, I'm people afraid, just aren't I'm afraid. coming," you know, or something. Right. But I feel like there is there's this tension there because there is a need to define it something new. Like I can see the, the desire to have the term micro church be significant in meaning because we've had all these, this or transition to church calling, or, yeah. yeah, we called it missional communities, but it's not, you know? And so we're going, okay, great. We got to scrap this and call what we're trying to do something else or what we're doing something else. And so we're perpetually just coming up with new names for some of the same old ideas, which is let's have a community that is discipling one another and makes disciples as well. Yeah, no kidding. And language does create culture. We're big on that. So yeah. I think I think choose what you want to call it, but make sure you infuse it with meaning. Now, yes. um, in the past, whenever there was like house churches or missional communities, and if they weren't like part of the traditional church itself, which in most cases they weren't, I think yeah. that I think the traditional church always saw those types of you know communities or expressions um, like they were rebels. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and many times they just created smaller versions 
of what they had come from, but now with no one telling them what to do or not to do. Yeah. And there is still a whole, there's a whole strain of that where like you can read books and get training on how to start your own house church. And right. it's like, and there's even like a whole huge stream and, and there's no leaders, nobody leads. Right. And, and right. I think, I love what they're trying to say. It's like the, only Jesus leads. He's the leader, right? I, right. I, I get it. But like, right. none of us know what we're doing. So who's going to tell us, well, that person's leading, you know what I mean? There's lead <laughs> like they, they, they're so fearful of someone leading. And I think really it's like, don't be fearful of leadership, be fearful of, you know, overlording. <laughs> Right. That's, that's right. what Jesus, you know, spoke out against. But he clearly yes. he clearly led. And then he said, and now all authority is mine. And now it's yours. I'm sharing mm -hmm. with you. So mm -hmm. I don't think we have to fear that. I think what we want to be careful is, is that we're really inclusive, hyper inclusive. They're always yeah. looking to see everybody mature and, and grow in their ownership and use of their gifting and all the fivefold and all that. Yeah. And so I, I don't what's your thoughts on how that it used to be that all these little things used to be seen as like, Hey, those are the rebels. And now it's yeah. like, even, even the church. I think, it goes, I think it goes back to what do we define as the primary organizing structure of the church? Because if we're saying that it's the Sunday worship gathering, that unless you have that, you don't have a church, then I think that would necessarily require us to look at a house church and say, that's not really a church. Those guys are rebels or a missional community as being rebels. And, and we, so we, it's going back to, well, what is our, what is our end goal here? And what do we define as the church? Like I, I look at acts two and it has a pretty good description of most of the church activities, eating together, fellowshipping, apostles, teaching prayer. And then Matthew 28 saying that as we go, we're going out into the world. We make disciples baptizing. Mean, you got you got all of the the ordinances or sacraments wrapped up yep. in those two passages. Yeah. That's the church, right? Yeah. Um, are those things being practiced? Usually, each of these labels that people are pointing the finger at, they're not practicing all of those things. They might be heavy on the gathering together and fellowship and study, but not the go and make. <laughs> well, that, I've that seen it. Aspect. I've seen it plenty, and maybe you have too. Where those, when connected to a larger church or traditional church, even when they sort of sanction those smaller micro church gatherings, and they're letting them go beyond small group now, they're calling right. them, you know, house church or simple church or micro church right. or something. They're still saying, but you can't baptize and you can't do communion there. Right, and right, they're forbidding right. what Jesus <laughs> said. Right, always right. do this, you know. <laughs> Which is exactly, I mean, that's that's where Which makes maybe... it not church then, in some ways. Like, but that, you, well, that's but what you I'm get gonna to say. be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say that that like that might be where we ruffle some feathers. You know, I'm not looking to do that. That's not my aim. But I'm saying, what is the primary structure of the church? I would say what we call a missional community or a table community in our context. Yeah. They do all of those things. We encourage and equip people to practice those things as part of a larger church. We're a church of communities because we see the, the help that is brought in by having your teachers and equippers do group teaching and equipping rather than expect each one of your communities to be able to pull off that kind of stuff at the same time. So Until there's maturity of the gifting there, right? Until yeah, there's exactly. the maturity of gifts, which is, exactly. that's called like a family. Like I don't, you know, like my, yeah. my wife cooks in our family until the kids could cook a little more, you know, and right. I would cook right. and, and now she's training the grandkids, but she still does most of the heavy lifting when they're around, you know, it's not right. like, right. oh, wait a minute. How come we can't like get up there and burn our hands, you know? <laughs> and they, and now that they're on their own, you know, they don't just like not eat, right? They do. Now they have some experience exactly. in training that they can cook. Exactly. Well. And they take that but on. it even... started elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
you're, you're speaking to like, what's the primary structure of the church property organizing principle? We've been using that language for a long time, and we really yes. do believe it's the smaller communities based on what we see in scripture. And it's discipleship as the mission. So wherever you best get to make disciples and have the most amount of interaction and ability to mm. have the gospel speak into all of life, that's going to be your pr primary organizing structure. So it's going to, For sure. it's going to be smaller communities because as we've said a trillion times, sitting in rows in silence, listening to one person talk is not a killer environment so Therefore, for discipleship. So therefore, it, that's not the primary organizing structure. It's a legitimate right. one, but it's not our primary right. one. Right. I'm glad to see the churches getting back to that a little bit. Now, do you think as, as churches are starting, you know, a micro church or a house church or individuals mm. are, do you think they all have the same goals in mind? Or do you, do you see people using these new sort of smaller expressions with different hope for end goals? Well, I mean, I can speak in extremes and polemics and say, I know it's not true because I've been approached by other pastors in my city saying, hey, you do those missional communities. I need you to come and teach us how to do that. And um, how is that financially viable? I was actually asked that in a coffee shop. So I know that everyone doesn't. Now that's one example and an extreme, yeah. but I think that's not going to be all of them. But I, I know that they don't because... Like you mentioned earlier, a lot of people are trying to manage people and have them have relationships. And so they start these smaller things to kind of occupy space for people to have relationship. There's value in that. Or they think if we put people in smaller groups, they'll automatically go out onto mission, into mission. You know, they'll automatically like involve themselves in the lives of people around them because it's more... Um, I guess it's simpler with a smaller group of people, right? right. So, and all of so, those things are good good ideas, but it's not how it works. So Because they've yeah. not yet been discipled. Exactly. So just, and there again, it's like they're, they're trying to measure containers, not right. disciples made, right? And, right? and so when, and that's what we're seeing too, is these uh, really sincere, really smart leaders who are now saying, hey, there's, we got to get some, you know, smaller things going because that's where our people yeah. are at and that's what they're wanting they yeah. never themselves were all usually discipled and they certainly weren't yeah. equipped to make disciples in community and grow in the gospel fluency that's going to be needed to actually disciple people's hearts and help their own people die to their fear of man and even yes. know how to speak good news to things not just hand out a track you know, yes. or something, right yeah so see, they, like, they still haven't sorry, got go any ahead. of that equipping and now they're just yes. they're just organizing people into like you said containers and it's like that's that's not our goal yeah. is it you know? no i think i think one of the issues the way the way that i i define it is there's a difference between um our values and our practices like values are aspirational you know we we are a church that makes disciples and I would say, well, what are your practices that actually make disciples, you know? Mm. So a lot of people have aspirational values when they create these communities, but don't have experienced practitioners to walk in that and model that. So we have a couple of practices that we name for people. I'll just give you two of them. Yeah. One is, um, ironically, it's called the table um, because we, and that means, you know, not just the Lord's Supper, but also um, tabling, having meals together, having time together with people over um, coffee in different tables throughout the city. And so that that says that we practice that. We practice shared life through that, that um, practice and also we'll say Beautiful. ordinary life we named that we named ordinary life because it gets missed that these aren't extraordinary things when you're hosting a huge party though it could be that it's the normalcies of life in which you practice hospitality 
and all of this this life together and with your neighbors with your networks of friends with people in your community and that's something that people can hold on to and say i do that well now are you doing that with the intention of the gospel and that's see that's so experiential though that's almost yes. uh, hard to teach in a class or a course or something, right? <laughs> Maybe impossible. <laughs> right. Remember, remember all the years of us, you know, leading Soma schools together. Yeah. And people yeah. would come and they'd stay, you know, for a week, ten days, and and they not only were they always by God's grace blown away, but they all said this: "It's so normal. Like mm -hmm. it's so normal, yet intentional. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know what I was expecting, but it's so normal, but full of the gospel." We just had a friend here a few weeks ago staying with us. Someone we we're coaching, and her and her husband and their church planners, and they're great. And and we had a really nice three or four days together. And she said the exact same thing. Yep. Like your life's yep. really normal. And we met friends and we hung out and we laughed and we cooked and we cried a little bit and we hugged and we talked gospel a lot and we, we, we watched comedy and it was, it was really normal, but the whole thing seemed kind of bathed in intentionality and the gospel all soaking into it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's my experience with you when I went to Soma school and then I was, I had time to kill afterwards and I was going to sit in the hotel while the person I went with was going to prep the sermon that he was going to be preaching the next day. And you're like, why don't you just hang out? And I thought, who does that? Who invites me over to their house to meet their family, watch a movie, have dinner together? It was so normal. And I, I mean, as much well, we're as we're doing I got it from, anyway, like if you don't want to come, you know, <laughs> right. And so I say as much as I got from Soma school, which was helpful in many ways, what that, that like afternoon evening with you, I went back home and I was like, well, this is pretty simple. I, I am going to be doing these things. I might just want to include people into those. And that's informed how I've led this church plant and equipped others to say, this is really normal. And that's a missing piece. So to your question, that's missing from most people's transition is to, is to make it normal because we think it's got to be really exceptional because it's hard, but it's simple, <laughs> right? It's, it's hard, it's hard work, but it's simple to do. And um, having yeah. practitioners to lead and model that in the normalcy is how you make these these things actually happen. And it's not just the hanging out part, because people can hang out. Like, okay, okay, yes. okay, I'm gonna start inviting neighbors over more. But right. I have no idea how to bring the good news of the gospel to bear to the myriad of bad news things going on in their heart and life right. and emotions and dreams and shattered dreams and abuses and, right. and joys of life and all of it. And so right. that's the other part of it. And, and we're constantly reinforcing that with the folks that we coach saying, if is if and as you will grow in gospel fluency, and it's a language, mm -hmm. so you're not gonna learn it in a weekend or two courses or reading my book or Jeff's books, you know, like, right. you're, but as you grow in gospel fluency and you are up in that interaction, a normal life where people are doing that, yeah. you're gonna see people moving from unbelief to belief, coming to faiths, walking in the ways of Jesus. But you can just end up being either an isolated church cul-de-sac of Christians, yeah. or you could be a few Christians that are like the nicest people in the world that never get around to Jesus with anybody <laughs> yeah. outside of that yes. circle. Yes, yes. Because I think we, and especially now, um, nowadays in our cultural moment where there's more and more um, hesitancy to share good news we don't, we won't, we'll say evangelize. I'm not going to evangelize. You know, I hear that yeah, from people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I understand a lot of where that's coming from. And some of that is worth digging into for sure and, and analyzing. But I think the missing piece is that our imagination for this is either we force feed people this gospel or we on the other extreme, the other ditch we fall into is we don't say anything until they bring it up, right? And something in the middle is learning to listen, engage, ask yeah. questions, 
and tie the story that God's unfolding with the story that they're telling in simple ways. And that and that's that's a beautiful thing that makes this ordinary, but it's also really hard because it takes some experience to learn how to do that. It takes some failing. And Maybe it takes some intentionality experience. to say, I'm gonna apply myself yep. to being discipled and learning and getting help mm. and equipping and coaching and help. Yeah, otherwise, probably look down the road five, 10 years, it'll be the same situation. Yeah. Let me ask you this, in light of all that, sure. Gino, um, yeah. how structured do you think these smaller experiences, you know, call, we'll call them whatever we want, yeah. right? But yeah. how structured do they need to be so they don't just end up being a smaller version of the once a week church service yeah. now done in our home on our own terms? Yeah, I think that's good. I think that they, they there should be some structure. There needs there necessarily needs to be some structure for the reasons you just said. Like we're not just going to come and hang out. We can do that, and I think there's value in doing that. But I think there's value in having an intention for why we're hanging out. Like um, when we're starting a community and we say we're hanging out because we're getting to know one another and hear each other's stories and how we're relating. But that's a structured that's a structure that we work in, right? It's not just no structure. So. At the same time, they need to be fluid because that's one of the beauties of these smaller communities is that they're flexible, right? So we want to have we want to have kind of some I would say like like a, a spine to it, mm. not not an exoskeleton that's like a really hard shell that you can't get in. We're going to call really these rigid. jellyfish communities now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> um, so so that's where I get the the ideas of the practices as well become very helpful for a structure. We don't name specific things that you have to do. We say things that we're doing that we're going to do with intentionality. So yeah. shared meal is something that we we really value um, pre and post COVID. That'll be actually happening more often, yeah. right? And yeah. uh, um, and other things, you know, prayer. Um, we we just we ask the question, what's God doing in your life, and what are you going to do about it? So I mean, we might not say it so starkly, but that's basically the conversations right. that seem to happen. And basically, what you're decide, uh, describing there, Gino, is the terms, and I know you're familiar with these, we talk yep. about there's organized aspects to our community. Exactly. And there's a lot of organic stuff that then flows out of those few things. And that's yes. just like our families. You look at your family, there's some organized stuff, but really there's only probably less than a dozen, 10 things that you organize like religiously in a family mm -hmm. and a million organic interactions that right. now you have, you reap, you have that opportunity. And, and, I, and I think that's the thing is people need to decide what will our organized thing. And it, if it's just a once a week meeting where we try to basically have yeah. a small church service, right? well, you're kind of just having a smaller version of what you had when you went and sat in silence there. True. And maybe it's a little funner. And I, like I said, I think it is an upgrade if you stick around and have meals because at least then there's some organics happening that <laughs> yeah. way, right? Yeah. What yeah. would you say? I was going to ask you if we could talk a little bit about um, the the necessity you said flows out of when you talked about organized and organic, and I'm sure I know you've talked about this on episodes in the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think that's I just want to put like a highlighter over that because that's really important. That a lot of people will see or experience or hear stories that you or I or others might tell of what they've seen in life disciple making, and they think that sounds so normal and organic. And it's because it flows out of the organized as well. So it's not just kind of anything goes. It can't be because you can't organize anyone around that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we get to we get to choose what those organized will be. 
yes with intention and what would you say are the top like if there's a ch there's people who are church leaders who listen to the podcast and we haven't scared them off just yet um <laughs> what 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 would you say should be or could be the top maybe three priorities for a church that's trying to start new you know more out there more outward focused micro churches or missional communities or whatever they want to call them as part of their ultimate church expression what might yeah. their what might three top priorities be for them as they start these smaller micro mm. versions? Yeah, I think I think the first the first question that I've learned to ask is like, where is God present and at work already? And I don't mean just in your church body. I mean in your city, in your neighborhood, in your town. What are you seeing at, that God is doing? Because oftentimes we take this approach that unless we do something, there will be no discipleship. Made, We're bringing you know? Jesus to the <laughs> inner city. Exactly, man. You know, you know that. And I, I live the map in the inner city. In heaven last week. I said, here, I circled some areas you might want to consider joining us in. <laughs> I, t I tell people all the time that want to come in and bring Jesus to the inner city. Like he's already here and we don't want you. Please stay out. I don't always say it that, that <laughs> no. frankly, but hey, I just, just said it to a lot of people. Oh, it's okay. I, pro <laughs> I probably did. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's important to notice what's going on and how you might participate with God. So that, I mean, that's, that's like one point that has many sub points. Like who are the people that are already experiencing disciple making within the church and are, are know their neighbors kind of have this apostolic edge, um, lean on them. That would be one thing that I'd say is, um, is really important. The, the second like priority would be who is willing to learn this together? Mm. Like who's, who's a learner and wants to participate in failing forward to do this because it's not going to be perfect the first time. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you think there's any differences between the, and by the way, I got to just back up a second. I love yeah. the fact that that's outward focused first. Yes, right. right you know, in other words, right. it's not this same old consumeristic, like, well, we got to get, we got to keep our people somehow attached to the church and they're not going to come back to the building anymore. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, you know, what's really weird. It's paralleling what's going on in the culture when it's uh, the work from home thing. Yeah. Everybody's right, like, hey, right. you know what? We kind of proved that the company grew like 7% last year and we were all working from home. <laughs> yes. And I remember like the year before when I said, could I work from home Fridays? And you said, absolutely not. Like, but now I've been home for like uh, 52 Fridays or something. You know yeah, exactly. like, and, I, and I'm hitting my numbers like crazy, boss. Could I maybe have a couple? You know, yeah. so we're, you know, things have changed. And I, and I mm -hmm. really think for the better. I, I think we're finding more margin and more space and, and opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I know this is another crazy thing right now that's going on, and we we predicted it would be, but as COVID restrictions are lifting, and I know they're not lifting everywhere in the same fashion, but where they are, even a little, uh, the folks that we're working with and in our community and, and people we coach, they're saying, there are so many people coming to our open table and our barbecue. Like yeah, we started it right. up again. We're getting back into a predictable pattern. It's crazy. I got a Voxer this morning from one of our groups. They said, we just did our first one. 35 people came, you know, Man. and everybody else is like, how did you get the word out? It's like, the, all you have to do is just like flash the front, like twice. And people are like, is there something, is there life? Let's go. Are there people there? Let's there's go. People, there's humans. Now, do you think there's a di any different priorities if it's a church trying to start, you know, these new smaller things, or mm. if it's an individual, you know, trying to do it? Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think, I don't think the priorities are different. I think maybe how you're able to to do those or live in those might be different. Like the first one of seeing where God is present at work, you can do that regardless. The second one of who wants to learn with you, that might be harder if you're starting out. Like for us, it was who wants to learn with me? Well, Jill and my four kids. 
But, you know, that, that was it. Dude, like, I remember. And, and you guys pulled you remember. the rope hard for a long time by we yourself. Did, and we would celebrate. Like, there's another couple that, you know, of faith. I mean, you had people yes. always. You always had people yes. around. We but there's another couple all, of faith all. that have, like, they've been Christians more than a week. You know, yay. <laughs> and, and then they're not getting transferred to a job in another city because that was happening for years. And, yeah. and so that one's harder. But I think then that will also determine what I would say is the third thing is, like, how and why and what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to do these things? Why are you doing them? And why, um, not only that, but what are you going to do? So I think all of those questions, so that means like, are you going to gather weekly? What are your, your organized actions? How are you going to get to know people in the neighborhood? What, what kind of gatherings might you get involved in? Or places might you inhabit? Or people might be inviting you into things? Or are you inviting them into things? Um, so living in the suburbs for a while where we started some communities, we found that there, everyone liked each other, but there was no organizing place for people to gather because everyone just parked in their garage or their driveway and went inside. So we brought the barbecue into the front yard and just put out flyers and had 40, 50 people joining us in the front saying, thank you for doing this, right? Yeah. Now in the city, we don't have front yards. We don't have any yard in our <laughs> current place. And so, but where people gather are in the local pubs and in the coffee shops or the barber shop, and I'd go to those places and gather with people there. So I wasn't the one bringing the environment, I was just yeah. participating. And those are things that we need to name. Yeah, and, and I'm sure I you think got as, lots to say. And I think as much as trying to decide those things is is also giving some thought and, and or getting some help figuring out what's the order of those? Because yes. oftentimes I find people say like, well, we have to have some Bible study and we have to have a prayer time and we should have a worship time and by that they mean yeah. singing time. And then we have some time with our neighbors and then we, and it's like, wait a second, what's the order? order of those like if it's if this is church starting uh yeah. you know a micro community and there's a whole bunch of christians that are gathering do, do it mm -hmm. in, are they doing in proximity do they know mm -hmm. any common people because like you get mm -hmm. to you get mm -hmm. to do this in proximity versus i just like them i know i know they're 40 minutes away but they our kids love <laughs> yes. their kids it's like well wait a second you're starting off on the this is about me foot um, yeah but if you're gonna do that great okay that's that's a family sort of dinner time, as it were, or whatever. Or maybe you're listening to the service together, uh, you know, sermon or series or stream or whatever. Okay, mm. then what's the other rhythm that's going to be like an open table or something that you are you're building relationships and looking for people apiece to identify and invite yeah. them in? And then what are you inviting them into? Is there is there just one step from hey, my neighbors seem to really be digging us and we're becoming good friends? I guess my only next step would be. You want to watch my church's live stream? You know, like you got to right. sit and think through some of those things because they probably won't. Hey, a right. bunch of us get together and we watch this one guy talk for 45 minutes and it's kind of interesting if you know him and we sing a bunch of songs that aren't so great. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, I'd love to, maybe it'd be helpful to just kind of walk through the some, I mean, a, a fast forward of an, a couple of years of our process was meeting people in the neighborhood um, finding that a lot of people weren't going to come into our home initially, but would spend lots of time with them in public spaces. So we spent a lot of time building those relationships, seeing people come to faith and gather in our home or somewhere in that, that process, other people moving into the neighborhood or, or other Christians in the neighborhood joining with us to where we kind of filled our house, which isn't saying much because it was a tiny house. You get 14 people in there. But you guys crowded, have, a, right? you have a really long table, bro. <laughs> yeah, we do have a huge table. It's mostly table in our house. Um, and then what we decided to do is we said like, hey, we have these people that we're in relationship with. They're interested. 
they just are kind of like in this process of what's their relationship like. So we started having community meals. We rented a space that we could fit 40 people instead of 14 and had what we called dinner church and then brunch church. We switched it during football season. I love brunch church. Brunch I, you church should was maybe awesome. consider calling it sometimes of the year the pre-football game church, pre-Eagles pre <laughs> yes. pre yes. church. Pre-game pre church right here. Yeah. yeah. And in that, like we just started, that, that, be, that filled up with people from the neighborhood that were curious and were in relationship with us, but didn't feel like meeting in someone's home was like a bridge too far for them at that point, at that point. But um, that didn't take long before that changed and we ended up with two communities and we yeah. had to figure out like, okay, now what do we do with these things? So I think you, when you say like, how do we prioritize? What do we do? All of those things happen based on the people that were intentionally seeking to build relationships with, to disciple to Jesus and in Jesus, not some prefabbed idea that they and have so, to fit into. That they have to fit into. And so what I would say about that is because that's fluid, you need help to learn how to do that. We don't normally do that. So we need people to walk alongside us yeah. or maybe like some of the stuff that you do with coaching to help us kind of navigate that and say like, hey, I'm seeing this. What do you think? And then you could ask questions or we could ask questions. You know, th Those things are really important because this is is like I said, it's hard, but simple. And you need someone to help you with that. I think one of the hardest things is just trying to unlearn the only groove most of us mm. grew up in with church. And, and, and when there's a huge program at great expense and lots of people looking at that same <laughs> roughly two hours a week, well then yeah. your solution to everybody's next step is generally get them into some aspect of that program. You know, yes. might, and maybe it's Sunday, maybe it's a mops thing, or maybe it's, you know, an Awana for the kids or a VBS because it's nicer out or whatever. But we're always still like, well, I guess our next step is get them into program. And what you're, yeah. what you're saying is as, as you see who God's bringing into your life and you're making disciples of them, because that's the mission. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then the structures of that community, mm -hmm. though they might have some commonalities with other communities or the ones that yes. sprung up out of the same community, they might be a little bit different and their organized things might not all be exactly the same. And certainly the organics, like, you know, like you're saying, like for people who live in a neighborhood who have yards and all that stuff and yep. or a bigger houses and all that their rhythms yep. and even their organics are going to look real different than the organics of i i, I mean guys at the cigar lounge all the yeah, time and exactly. there, a few of us got together for meals with our spouses and we got to know each other and then that one family started coming to faith and so now they're in yes. our house more but we can't have 40 people in our house there just isn't that much space other people have that much space so yeah but it's it's i love what you're saying it's people first mm -hmm. not a program and and that's that kind of brings me right back to the top of the talk here where some of the some of the this outwardness and new micro church expressions and smaller things though i'm so excited they are starting program first like yeah because that's all they know and they're going well we have a big program here we'll start a small program what do you do next get people into that and, and that's yes. what they're working on. So I right. really love your emphasis here of, of look for what Jesus is doing, people yeah. first, and get yes. the help and equipping you need. Just don't like, assume that you're going to guess through this, and, and especially yes. if you're not fluent in the gospel. It's like, what do you yes. even have to offer? Yes. What do you have to I think offer? That, I think that one of the ways that might stir the imagination of listeners, I hope, or confront some of the challenges that they have is to say, the church... Um, the form follows the function. That's 
Mm. And if we're not free to do that, there's a lot of Fs there. If we're not <laughs> free to do that, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of challenges in making disciples. Because what so what I mean by that is how you gather. Like our developing brunch church wasn't a strategy because we were like, oh this is going to be great. Like if we do brunch, that'll attract people because they like to eat. And then we'll do um, a thousand was, brunches all over Philly. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're <laughs> going to set these sites up all over. Um, it was these particular people that were building relationship. This is when they're available. This is what they'd like to do. And this is a, this is a vehicle that we exactly. can use. So the structure of our church formed around that because we prioritize disciple making. And what we saw is we'd have um, people from other churches come in and visit. So they wouldn't even tell us some of them wouldn't tell us that they weren't, uh, that they were from there. And then they tried to replicate it and it didn't work. And then I would get an email and I'd say, well, you're not following the, the pattern of what you need to do, which is where are your relationships? We're not doing right. this because it's hip and cool. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think people need to consider that as like, what are you starting is first, where is there actually God always already working in something? And how do you gather around that and, well, and, you're, and move you're, into it? You're scaring the bejeebers out of people because they're again, <laughs> you know, I know you just dropped a lot of F words on people. Yeah, and it's gonna, I I'm did. gonna put that in my social media. Like, come listen, Gino drops the F word, you know. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, but you're, you're, you know, a scarier word for a lot of people mm. is the R word relationship. Mm. Oh, yeah. are you kidding? I don't know how to even do that. I just, I just yeah. uh, set up a post for next next week to share some thoughts on like, how come we don't know how to make friends anymore? <laughs> you know, yeah. and here's some, here's some real basic stuff, some categories, not here's what I, you know, here's how you say this and here's how you transition, but like categories right. of thinking of like how, this is how friends are made. And guess what? Yeah. If you don't have any friends, you're not gonna have anybody to disciple. Yeah. And I know people, there's old school people are like, oh, I see you gotta be friends with people before they can know Jesus. It's like, no, you don't have to, but guess what? you're probably gonna need to <laughs> yeah. because they don't care about you. They're not gonna care mm. what you say about some life altering relationship with him. And, and it's about today, not just about their afterlife. And so this is really count the cost. Jesus even said, hey, hey count the cost here. Cause this isn't, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the Sunday service or the micro church, <laughs> I'm the way, the truth and the life. I want all of it. So yeah. count the cost. That's gonna that's gonna take some relationship. Yes. It, it just is, and that's why Jesus spent three and a half years, pretty much twenty four seven with his buddies, and and then breaks my heart. It says at his ascension, and some still did not believe. Yikes, yes. Jesus! What did you miss? You you skipped right. over week nine of the <laughs> right. study. That was an important part of the discipleship course. In week nine, you missed it. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I think, uh, see, you say, I, um, I'm not sure where we are on time, but I, I, so I don't want to open a whole can of worms, but you, you have said so often, I think it's true, that discipleship happens necessarily in relationship. And I, my only pushback is that I think discipleship is relationship. Hmm. I would say it not just starts, but I think that's the whole part and parcel of the whole thing. And if we don't know, because what, what happens is churches that don't prioritize discipleship within relationship or as relationship is that we don't, we don't build the fluidity into our structures for people to be in relationship. We build, we build structures that say, let's gather thousands of people so no one knows one another. And we wonder why there's no discipleship happening. Well, there's no relationship in those vehicles, if you will. Wow, that's powerful. Well, we're, we are running a little long, but the, I'm telling you, that will not hit the cutting room full, as they say. That was gold, brother. I'm a, I'm a, that was gold. 
Hey, Gino, I could keep talking to you forever, brother. And I, again, I'm so sorry it's taken us so long to get you on the podcast. Uh, I guarantee you will not be that much longer again. There's so many <laughs> no. things we could and should be talking about. And I know people are yeah. going to appreciate your heart and your experience in this. And uh, the peace with which you're living this, you and Jill are living this. I, and mm -hmm. I've watched it. I mean, I've known you a really long time now. Yeah. But I've just watched it. You guys have gone through what other people would say was really hard times planting or starting these mm -hmm. communities. And you just did it with grace and fluidity and mm. and normalcy as you raise four beautiful amazing children along the mm -hmm. way who yeah. also love god and love people hey go yes. figure right right <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's amazing and so hey it's been so good being with you thanks thanks for the time and thanks for your, bringing your heart and the reality of your life and the reality of this life we all get to live uh yeah, to share thanks, today C. thanks man man it's been great being with you thank you i love that guy so smart so humble so normal and and definitely one of my favorite traveling buddies ever. I hope you love I love his heart as much as I do. And uh, wow, he is a wealth spring of wisdom and good news. And kind of like I said, you know, in our in our talk there in our interview, he, he's just so chill about it. Even though he's been through, wow, we could do episodes and episodes of some of the mountains that he's had to climb where people have thrown him into ditches and all that. But he's he is really centered on the love of Christ in his life and the gospel. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it helps you think through this issue of micro churches, mini churches, house churches, whatever you want to call them, and maybe gives you some ideas on how to either course correct or if you're thinking about starting to implement one of these or start one of these, some ways to begin and maybe some priorities there. Well, as always, before I wrap up, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's topic so that, you know, if nothing else, you don't miss these and you can get this as a printable PDF. If you like these three big three sort of summary statements here, you can just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three and zoom. We'll send it right out to you. Here are the big three for this week. First, when starting any new expressions of the church in your city, Begin by looking for where God is already at work. I loved when he said that. Join him, join God, and ask the Spirit to show you what to begin to do to build relationships for the sake of the gospel where God's already at work. And if there are more apostolic types in your church that are already doing fruitful ministry out there, well, fan those flames and send people and resources to join them. So instead of trying to just create structures, Second, discipleship is relationship. Oh, that was also powerful when he said that. And it's what it is, it's relationship with God that we're inviting others into. As we do normal life with people, bringing the gospel of the kingdom to bear in and through those relationships, discipleship is happening. See, discipleship is relationship. God is not looking for more smaller containers of people popping up all over. He's looking for relationships with people who are disciples of his son, Jesus. And third, get the equipping and help you need to seed fruitful new microchurches. Most people and church leaders were not taught or discipled in these ways. And to throw a bunch of new, smaller, simple structures and programs together without the needed gospel fluency and relationship building skills is sure to fail and frustrate you and your people. So you could guess at it, or maybe you can get a little bit of help. And I'd love to help, and maybe Gino could help. I'll give you a link to the table church in the show notes so you can kind of see more what's going on there, Table Philadelphia. And if you're interested in learning a full framework 
for discipleship and mission, it's really how you would start these types of communities and even grow in your own gospel fluency in everyday life. I'd love to set up a short Zoom call to get to know you better, answer any questions you have about how we coach and how we do it. Tina and I do it together as couples, with couples, and we can get you started. I'd love to help. You can learn more about that and what we do by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Easy. Well, time's up. I've run a little long today, but I think it was worth it. Join me next week as we'll continue to dig into discipleship and mission as a lifestyle together. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.